0: Hey there, what's up? Welcome to episode 81 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew. Excited to have you here this week. Thanks for carving out a little time to join us here on this journey. We're fired up to have you here. Hope things are going well in your world, whether you're growing an agency, dreaming of an agency. Whatever it is, hope you're moving closer to the goals you've set for yourself. This week, we're talking about one of the biggest things that influences the goals you have as an inbound agency owner, and that is sales. Gray and I are continuing our mini-series on tools that power inbound agencies, and today we're reviewing the sales stack. Everything from CRM, to contract and proposal tools, to call tracking, and everything in between. So, without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Welcome back, gang. We're digging into sales tools here today, and we're going to talk through the tool stack that we use through the sales process at GuavaBox, uh, share some of our experience here at Do Inbound as well, lessons we've learned and to kick it all off, Gray, why don't you talk to us about the HubSpot CRM and the central role that plays in our sales processes?
1: That really is the core and the hub of our sales. That's the main unified contact record for everybody who uh, who is going through uh, and has anything to do with, uh, with the business, um, whether that be somebody who's a prospect, a customer, someone who works on a customer account. Um, whatever, whatever that may be. So, HubSpot, the CRM side of things, we are using that to track all our emails. We can make calls through there, record the calls. Um, they've got a bunch of other apps set out. One of the main features that sold us on the CRM early on, um, we we came from base CRM previously. I think obviously having a unified contact record between the marketing side and the sales side of things was. Numero uno in terms of factors that led to the adoption. But the templates and having uh, templates, being able to share templates on the sales side of things. There's so many questions that we answer uh, repeatedly or things that we need to share with people. So having templates in there has been awesome. And we use that in a ton of different ways. HubSpot does have a meetings app where you can send people your calendar and they can schedule a free time. But we actually don't use that a whole lot right now. We use acuity scheduling for the most part. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons, and you can learn more about why we do that if you check out our Agency Toolbox episodes. Um, so if you go to doingbot.com slash agency toolbox, you'll be able to see our episodes about acuity scheduling, and get some templates and freebies to to ramp you up if you decide to go in the acuity direction. Um, but we, uh, we're using acuity right now calendly is another great alternative there that's what we use on the meeting software side of things darren how do you feel about acuity versus hubspot meetings have you looked at any of the hubspot as we're recording this right now hubspot has just released some new functionality to customize the way that the interface looks a little bit more and Mm -hmm. to embed your meetings elsewhere which i think is pretty cool Um, it's still not For me, still not quite to Acuity level, but they're definitely making strides. And it is nice that it's all within one platform.
0: Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, the embedding and making like the branded user-friendly feel was the big part of why we went to Acuity. And that was before HubSpot meetings even came out. So, And now that we're entrenched there, and you mentioned the templates before, our Acuity links are embedded in all of our templates. They're embedded on different web pages, uh, wherever an Acuity link is applicable as part of our sales process. So we use and we use those both for pre-sale and post-sale. All the onboarding, all of the like game plan calls, those are all scheduled through Acuity. So they're deeply ingrained in the process there. So again, as anything, I don't think the tool's as important as defining what you want the tool to do and then finding a tool that meets that instead of taking a tool and saying, oh, how can we use this tool in our process? That's you know, a little backwards. Um, but HubSpot Meetings is definitely catching up. And like anything, they're... They do a good job. It takes them a while, but over time, their tools keep getting better and better. They do a good job of listening and improving over time.
1: That is true. Let's kind of walk through this guy the rest of this episode in terms of the customer life cycle or as as someone's going through the sales process. So early on, someone reaches out to us or we've identified them. We will obviously shoot them these templated emails. We'll send them our calendar scheduling link. When they schedule with us, the way that we're going to host those calls is through Uber Conference, so just uberconference.com. That's what we're using right now. Zoom meetings has become really popular as well, and Join Me just released an integration with HubSpot. There's lots of great alternatives. Uber Conference has worked really well for us. Um, They've got a really clean tool. People like the interface a lot. There's no download required on the user part, which is awesome. The biggest con to Uber Conference is there is no video ability. So it's all audio or screen sharing um, if you're using Uber Conference. But outside of that, absolutely love it. If we are – we mentioned this a little bit last time. If we are sending some quick uh, screen capture videos to a prospect via email, maybe it's a quick review of their website or something that we caught and we want to send a video rather than just via text, we'll use um, either test or QuickCast to create those quick videos if we're if it's – not something that we need to use ScreenFlow for. Um, those quickly generate a sharing URL that you can uh, you can share with them and they can go check out real quickly. If we need to find somebody's email to get in touch with them, we'll use Email Hunter. There's a Chrome extension and a website to do that. And sometimes early on in the process, there's two tools that we use a decent amount. Website Grader we used to use a lot um, and still use a little bit, kind of as background. But Website Grader that's HubSpot's. Um, product. They recently, probably not that recently, but within the last six months, uh, revamped a lot of the design there. And that tool is pretty nice and gives people an initial baseline. But a tool that we're using a lot in the sales process is our Inbound Revenue Calculator. So you can see this two different places. You can go to inbound.com slash Inbound Revenue Calculator, and you'll be able to see um, a HubSpot compatible version. Or if you go to tools.guavabox.com slash Inbound Revenue Calculator, you can see a version that we have over on the guava box side with a different design and one that's less HubSpot friendly. Um, (laughs) But in that ROI calculator, we'll use that. Sometimes that's used on the lead gen side where people will fill that out and we'll get their information um, and be able to follow up. But a lot of times that is happening during the sales process. So we might walk through it with them live on a call or we'll assign that and uh use assignment selling, basically say, Hey, before our next call, I need you to get these numbers, fill this out for me, download the results, and share it with me. And that really has been the single uh single best tool that we have built and implemented at Guava Box on the sales side of things. Um, and that one is now available uh, if you go to doinbound.com slash inbound revenue calculator or just email us. Um gray at doing or Andrew at doing by.com. You can learn more about grabbing a copy of that calculator and white labeling it for your own agency. Um, but that one, that one's used a lot as well. So those are some of the tools that we're using through the sales process when it comes to the proposal side of things and the invoicing side of things where things tend to, uh, tend to get more complex. We use a couple different tools. Let's start on the proposal side, Dimmer. You want to walk through what we're using right now to build out proposals and some of the alternatives out there?
0: Yeah. So if you're cool like us, you use GDocs, Google Docs. Real
1: cool. Oh, yeah. Didn't see that one coming.
0: (laughs) The big thing about making contracts or project scope documents or proposals, whatever the structure is for your process – is using repeatable blocks so that you're not spending hours and hours crafting these custom proposals that you'll never use again for a client. So no matter what tool you use, focus on the repeatable element of having those blocks of text that you use over and over again and think of the Pareto principle. How can we standardize 80% of this process so that we only have to customize the 20 or how do we standardize 95% of this process so we don't have to customize 5? That's the big goal. Uh, So we just use Google Docs. We'll have a baseline template that we can copy, and then we customize that based on the client, based on the type of project we're working on. Two common tools out there, and I think we've done trials of both of these, but like I said, we use Google Docs on the regular because we're not sending out a ton of contracts at this point, is Proposify. Proposify they 've got some they've got a great podcast you can check out uh, they've also got a good tool for helping you use those repeatable blocks to build out proposals for prospects. And Panda Docs is another um, that you can check out. Again, the same idea. How do we leverage repeatability in our proposal process? We should not be spending hours and hours and hours crafting custom proposals for clients. What we want to do instead is focus on repeatable systems, repeatable processes. And this takes a step back to the client journey that you are trying to take your prospects down. When they do become a client, what is the plan, the strategy that you will bring to them to help get them to their solution. You are, at the end of the day, you're a consultant, so you should show up with a plan. You shouldn't be having the client determine your plan. So that's a big, high-level picture. And once you have that in place, you know then, the essentially, the, the different types of contracts that you're going to be bringing to clients. So you can standardize these things a lot better than if you're just kind of doing one-off work for different clients and having to customize everything as you go. So that's why Google Docs is a basic place to start. But it's really powerful because as long as you have a baseline template, you can just copy it, implement what you need. It has a nice export to PDF feature. And then you can use that PDF inside of your digital signature tool. And there's a couple of different tools that you can use to go out and get digital signatures. DocuSign, EchoSign are two tools. Um, and I don't know, Gray, if the, if I think one of those might be built into... Um, Adobe now, or if Adobe just has... Echo sign. yep. Yeah, is just built right into the new Adobe Creative Suite. If you've got that premium version of Acrobat, uh, it's all in-house right there. And um, It's kind of funny, I can't remember the name, because I've used it and I like it. Um, but again, that kind of walks through the whole process there of getting the contract out into the client's hands so they can review and sign and move on to the next phase, which is collecting those dollar bills, Gray. So, how do we do that?
1: Different. That was really good, walking through the proposal, like how to build that out. Um, I think that had we standardized our client journey and our deliverables earlier, <laughs> that, would have, that would have saved a lot of hassle. We, um, so, sorry, go ahead. We learn the hard
0: way for everything. Every time, That's why was, Every time man. Hopefully this podcast helps y'all learn from our stupid mistakes. <laughs> That's the goal here.
1: So you get to the... You get to a signed contract. That's obviously the goal. Now, what you're going to want to do, obviously, is send out an invoice. I think there's very few agencies out there who want to start doing work without being paid something. And the absolute best tool, in my opinion, for the invoices, I love FreshBooks. It's not, uh, it's not a great tool for accounting, but it's awesome for invoicing. They are in the process of rolling out um, – a completely redesigned um, platform with FreshBooks where they've rebuilt the back end. And it's, I think as far as I know, I think this is the first big uh, like complete rebuild of FreshBooks maybe in the company's history. Um, but anyways, invoicing is awesome through FreshBooks. If you aren't using Google docs, if you're not as cool as we are, you want to save some more time <laughs> and you use a proposal fire Panda doc. I think both of them integrate, pretty well, both with HubSpot and with FreshBooks for sending out those invoices. So you get a signed uh, contract and you can issue an invoice right through there. And I think if our volume of invoices was higher, of uh, contracts was higher, we'd probably look at um, using one of those platforms. We just, one of the things that we have gone away from completely is sending out proposals ahead of time. It's always contracts now, so we'll walk through and finalize terms ahead of time. Um, but I know there still are a lot of agencies who are putting together proposals, sending those out, and they have a you know, a win rate on that that obviously is going to be lower than if you've already walked through and agreed on the terms, and then you're just building that contract together with a prospect. Um, so FreshBooks is really nice for invoices. Highly recommend that one. And we'll either take uh, – you know, our payment processor is Stripe. Um, for credit cards. So if we are accepting a credit card as payment, that'll be run through Stripe. Um, so yeah, that's what we're using on that side of things is we're kind of closing people and that is the end of that initial sales process. And I think that's pretty much all the tools that we had outlined here. Dimmer. or any others pop into your head that we should mention here? I guess we mentioned Drift last week. Um, so we'll throw that one out again in case you missed episode 80. But any others that you'd hit on?
0: I think just... Why, especially on the agency side, what grading do you use to say, I'm going to allow this client to pay by credit card versus bank transfer or e-check or sent mail a check? Uh, I know, I think I saw a conversation in the HubSpot Slack group about that. Um, You know, just walk us through your mindset on when do you make Stripe an option for clients and when do you have them essentially pay cash?
1: Right. The strike transaction fees are pretty low. It's 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction if you're um, – until I think you hit 80K per month uh, on a consistent basis in revenue that you're taking in via credit card. So um, we have – I think partially because of the industry that we started out in and, and had a lot of success in the manufacturing space, everybody pays by check um, – so we started out taking a lot of checks, and we still get a lot of checks. Now, we've also um, moved over to QuickBooks for accounting. So one of the features that QuickBooks has in is the ability to do a bank transfer, and it's a flat $0.50 cent transaction fee. So the the transaction fee is going to be relatively small either way, but, um, but if we can save 3% and people are going to pay anyways, I'm happy to wait a couple extra days for them to pay. Um, via bank transfer or via check. So most frequently how this will go down is we'll just tell people um, to pay via a check or, you know, just don't even give them the option of paying by credit card. If they ask for it, we'll almost always enable it and uh, let them know. Sometimes uh, in the past we've charged transaction fees for that. But the cutoff is kind of if there's some, a smaller client who has, uh, one-off thing that they want done, um, they need a change made real quickly. A lot of times, what we'll do is spin up a quick payment link inside of Acuity Scheduling, which is one of the one of the pluses that Acuity has that um, HubSpot Meetings doesn't have is the Stripe integration and the ability to quickly spin up a quick product. And we we even have a support request form already built out where people can go through. They give us their uh, their information, the problem that they're having, and they put in their card information. It saves their card information. And then if we're doing support at an hourly rate, we're then able to bill them for that time. So if it's something really small like that, where we're going to charge somebody for some time to, uh, fix something, most cases, it's a past client who's coming back for, uh, they need this little improvement made or this page added or whatever else it might be. Um, that's where we'll use the cards most frequently. So probably not a, not as hard and fast of a policy as there should be, but that's the way that we think about it and they've implemented it so far and it's worked out really well to this point I don't think we've ever lost business because we didn't have credit card processing um, and it's it's come out when we've needed it we've been able to save three percent on most transactions and and that's been a good thing
0: yeah that adds up over time uh, sure does if you've got if you're invoicing every month if you're trying to set up almost like a subscription where you just have a retainer and you're dinging a credit card every month that's kind of a different process a different structure for it but if you're invoicing every month 3% can save you if you have a nice tight um you know net net 21 net 30 whatever you use make sure you follow up well on that so you guys get paid for the work that you're doing that's big
1: yep absolutely well, cool. Well, let's wrap up this episode of Inbound Agency Journey. If you guys want to grab the show notes, as always, you can go to doingbound.com slash podcast. If you have any questions, leave them in the show notes or shoot us a message on Twitter or via email. And we will talk to you guys next week with uh, with more great information and resources for helping you grow your agency. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency
0: Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.